Chapter 22 of the uh, book of Ayikra, um, among other things, has a list of people uh, who are not permitted to uh, bring the sacrifices and or not permitted to partake of the sacrificial offerings. The Torah um, actually distinguishes between uh, those who may not uh, eat of the sacrificial offerings and those who may not serve in the temple, the priests who may not serve. The Torah says at the end of chapter 21 that anybody who has a mum, translated as a defect or a blemish, and the Torah gives a list of those defects or blemishes which disqualify the priest from bringing the sacrifice, perhaps even of entering the holiest places. On the other hand, the Torah says that these uh, individuals, um, and this is found at the end of chapter 21, um, it says that Lechem Elohav lo yigash he's not allowed to enter to sacrifice, literally Lechem does not mean bread over here, the sacrificial offering. However, in verse 22, He is permitted to partake, to eat. Those parts of the sacrifice that the priest is permitted, those are permitted for one who has a mum as well, but not the, the Baal mum may not bring the sacrifices. When it comes to one who is ritually impure, who's Tamei, that disqualifies the priest not only from bringing the sacrifice in chapter 22, but it disqualifies the priest or anybody else who is permitted generally to eat the sacrifice from partaking of the sacrifice, and that's the Tamei who is uh, forbidden to partake or to sacrifice in the beginning of chapter 22. Now chapter 22, towards the end of chapter 22, beginning uh, in verse uh, number 21, the Torah says that not only the priest who has a mum, blemish, defect, is not permitted to bring sacrifices, but the animal itself is not allowed to have a mum. And here the Torah lists off a set of defects, or mumim, that disqualify the animal from sacrifice, beginning in verse number 22. Shavur, averet, shavur, charuto, yabelet, verse 22. It's not always clear exactly what these things are. The translation here is anything blind or injured, maimed. The Torah continues, others as well. Lo takrivu elu Hashem. And it goes on, v'sharva ses sarua v'kalut. You may not, you may not bring anything which is, um, this is verse number 23. With a limb extended or contracted, that's also not accepted as a, as a sacrifice. And it goes on, etc. And karut. So these are all things which are um, anything bruised or crushed, torn or cut. And it comes to um, animals who have their uh, their testicles uh, bruised. 
says the Torah, you can't bring those either and not allowed to do that. That's forbidden to, to do that kind of practice in the land. So there's a parallel, interesting, between the defects that uh, forbid the priest from bringing the sacrifice and the animals themselves. And this underscores something that we had mentioned earlier about the Kohanim. The Kohanim are not simply people that work in the temple, but the Kohanim are represented in the Torah as part of the vessels of the temple. So the same way they are more subject and object, vessels, and the vessels have to be unbruised, have to be, tamim is the word for the sacrifice, perfect or unblemished. And one can understand this, I think, as the temple as a place of ceremony, temple as a place of beauty, and these defects that people may have, whatever they are, are represented in the uh, Torah, perhaps reflecting people's general conceptions. There's something defective, and in the place of ceremony, you want, one may say, the perfect specimens. That's what the Torah seems to suggest about the temple service. What's interesting is that in the biblical narratives, one gets precisely the opposite impression from several biblical narratives. It's very striking that we have the word tamim in conjunction with Avraham, God's command to Abraham in chapter 17 of Genesis, tamim, walk before me and be whole, tamim, whole. Tamim here means without blemish, and that's the introduction in chapter 17 to the command to Abraham and his descendants to uh, circumcise the uh, males. Circumcision, one might say the inflicting of a wound or a blemish, is precisely put in the context of It's interesting to note that in general, we have this in the Psalms and reflected in much of rabbinic thought, the idea of the lave nishibar v'nitkeh, as it says in the Psalms, the broken and crushed heart God will not reject. So the idea of brokenness from a human perspective, from a character perspective, is far from negative, quite the opposite. It is seen as something very positive. It is very striking that when the Torah disqualifies the priest, the disqualifications of the priest for service outside of ritual impurity have to do with physical blemishes. The Torah actually doesn't speak about moral blemishes. The Torah doesn't mention moral blemishes in terms of the priest. Maybe it assumes that. And we know from our tradition and the Mishnah and the Talmud, there were many priests who had many moral defects. But the Torah doesn't get involved. That's not what the subject is over here. The subject is ceremonial, the way it looks, the way it's perceived. It's interesting to note that in general, in thinking about physical defects, or the opposite, beauty, remembering that the Torah spoke, of, spoke in the book of Exodus of the garments of the priest were covered with tiferet, dignity and majesty. That the temple is a place of dignity and majesty as reflected by the, by the, by the clothing, by the externals. In the book of Shmuel, very interesting book for many reasons, the, the book of Shmuel speaks often of the way people look. King Saul was the tallest. David was very pretty. Uh, Absalom was very beautiful. Adonia, in the beginning of Kings, is very, very handsome. Most handsome man in Israel. And in general, 
in the book of Shmuel, and maybe even in the Torah itself, being a beautiful man or a beautiful woman leads, generally speaking, to trouble. And in the book of Shmuel, it is far from a sign of, uh, it's not a positive sign. If we think about the ultimate person who represents the defective person, the Baal Mum in the book of Samuel, that's Jonathan's son Mephibosheth, Nechei Raglayim. He can't walk. He had been injured as a child and couldn't walk. Piseach. In the entire book of Samuel, which is filled with characters described in a very realistic way, negative qualities, the one person who stands out as true blue is actually a person who is sincere, modest, and not searching for any kind of uh, financial gain, cares deeply about David, as his father did. It's a fellow named Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth stands out in the book of Shmuel. He appears in five different stories, and he stands out as a person of noble character, which in the book of Samuel is far from obvious. And I think that does say something about the book's approach, that the beauty and the good looks um, are problematic, not only because others can see you a certain way or will see you a certain way, being very beautiful can actually be dangerous, not just because people covet you, which often happens in the book of Genesis, with Sarah being very beautiful and Rebecca being beautiful, and Joseph in the house of Potiphar and Mrs. Potiphar in chapter 39. But even more so, it can lead to our own self-estimation of being someone of great worth. Because we're so beautiful, we look so good, we think we're actually important. And the book of Samuel is saying, that's not what really matters. What really matters is the character and the quality of the person. So the looks, the tovat mar'eh, whether the man or woman, can be actually problematic. People do value looks, for better or worse. And the temple, for better or worse, is a place of covered vitiferet. So from that perspective, the Baal Mum has been limited in the ability to serve in the temple. But in life, if anything, quite often, the Baal Mum, amazingly so, and surprisingly so, is that often, at least in our biblical texts, at a great advantage.